Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a tale from a long, long time ago, when Pokemon was still only a small, unknown Game Boy game. <clears throat> Did you know that Pokemon research didn't canonically begin in Japan, but actually in 18th century France? Or that the people of Kanto ate so many far-fetched, they almost went extinct? These details and lots more secrets can all be found in a long-lost Pokedex dating back to 1996, which we spent thousands of dollars to acquire and translate into English just for this video. Buried inside are details about Pokemon biology, behavior, food chains, and lots more, including how Pokemon evolved through natural selection. But before we dig in, let's provide some brief context. A few weeks after the launch of Pokemon Red and Green, a book called Pokedex was released in Japan, but never localized for the West. The book was published by Creatures Inc., with contributions from Pokemon's creator Satoshi Tajiri, and according to Ken Sugimori, he made the first Pokemon art set specifically for this book. In other words, this book is as official as it gets. 46 of its 140 pages are an entirely alternate Pokedex with exclusive lore, classification systems, and 150 Pokedex entries that never appeared in the games themselves. And it is without a doubt the biggest and most fascinating Pokedex of them all. Considering the historic weight of this document, there's only one man on the planet qualified to translate it into English. So we hired the Nintendo staffer who translated the first 26 Pokemon games into English, including including all their Pokedexes. We're of course talking about Nob Agasawara. Today, Professor Nob's welcoming us to the world of Pokemon, starting at the very beginning, two million years ago. The Pokedex begins with this introduction, which we'll read word for word as translated by Nob. It is said that pocket monsters, colloquially shortened to Pokemon, first appeared some two million years ago. The first systematic study of Pokemon was undertaken in the late 18th century by a French author, Baron Tajirin. At the time, only 30 species had been discovered. Nevertheless, the detailed data and sketches left by Baron Tajirin became the foundations of study thereafter. From France, research into Pokemon spread throughout Western Europe to include England, Germany, Spain, and Italy. In line with the incredible progress of transportation technology, this academic movement found a home in Japan at the end of the 19th century. Professor Nishinomori is said to be the father of Pokemon studies in our country. In 1899, he published the paper An Observation on the evolution of Pikachu. It described how two Pokemon, which had been thought to be two entirely different creatures, were actually the same. One was simply the evolved form. As a result of this breakthrough, Pokemon research entered a new phase of discovery, earning Professor Nishinomori worldwide recognition. Because of his paper, Japan came to be known as a leader in the study of Pokemon. Incidentally, 80 Pokemon species had been discovered by then. As of 1996, thanks to the investigative and research efforts of Professor Oak, 150 species of Pokemon have been discovered. We are gradually gaining insights into their behavior, life cycle, evolution, nature, and so on. This guidebook examines the presently discovered 150 species of Pokemon by their habitat, such as grasslands, mountains, and near bodies of water. The descriptive text for each Pokemon includes only facts known to date, 
It must also be noted that not all species of Pokemon have been discovered. We intend to continue with our research with the intention of publishing updated guides when new Pokemon are found. Before moving on to the first Pokedex entry, we want to reiterate that this book is official. And even though much of its lore was never mentioned again, this book represents the earliest form of the series canon. Tajiran is even named after Pokemon's creator Satoshi Tajiri. Professor Nishinomori is a combination of the names Koji Nishino and Ken Sugimori, two developers who played a key role in Red and Green's development. Directly translated, Nishino means West Field, and Sugimori means Cedar Forest, so Professor Nishinomori translates to Professor Westwood. In the Japanese version of anime episode 65, Satoshi and his friends meet Professor Nishinomori V, with the English localization of the episode calling him Professor Westwood V. The show says he wrote all the entries of Satoshi's Pokedex, so it's probably safe to assume he's the great-great-grandson of the Professor Nishinomori that researched Pokemon in 1899. According to Tajiri, the games, anime, and manga all have separate canons, although clearly they overlap more than they don't. This lost Pokedex is divided into nine classifications, mostly based on habitat. Grassland, mountain, water's edge, forest, seas, enigmatic, urban, extinct, and legendaries. A Pokemon's habitat has implications for its size, intelligence, and how they evolved. And by that we mean in the Darwinian sense, the way Pokemon species evolved over the past two million years. For example, Pokemon who live in forests are all small because they mostly subsist on fruits and nuts, while the Pokemon of the seas haven't evolved as much because the ocean hasn't changed much in the past two million years, though the land has. This habitat classification system wasn't mentioned in red and green, but it did appear in the prototype of the Pokemon TCG, and was also used in a slightly altered form in fire red and leaf green. But after that, habitat classifications were discarded and never seen again. The Pokedex's first and largest habitats is the grasslands. Like every habitat, it starts with a brief introduction. This one says, Our country is home to many species of Pokemon. Up to now, an amazing 150 have been discovered. The largest number was found in grasslands. Being rich in food sources, it appears that grasslands represent an environment in which they can thrive. Many of the grassland-dwelling Pokemon are people-friendly and placid in nature. The first Pokedex entry in this lost official dex is actually that of Growlithe, and tells us, Number 1. Growlithe Friendly toward people with a loyal nature. Faced with an enemy, they bark and bite to drive their foe away. Cinnabar Island is famous as a home to many fire-type Pokemon, with Growlithe being no exception. The island was once an active volcano, but is now dormant. Its unique ecosphere is thought to have strongly influenced its native Pokemon. Recent research revealed that this Pokemon's evolution is dependent on a stone. The entry states that Cinnabar's native Pokemon were influenced by its unique ecosphere, implying their physical forms adapted to the island throughout Darwinian evolution. Later entries use more direct terms like evolution and survival of the fittest to describe how Pokemon changed over time. It should also be noted that this book has a few pages of Professor Oak's journal, where he discusses Darwinian evolution at length, and even addresses human evolution. Oak explains that he used to believe Pokemon evolved into their current forms entirely through natural selection, but his research made him realize that natural selection can't explain all their 
traits, and some details remain a mystery even to him. The next entry reads, Number 2. Ponyta Their light body is supported by incredibly strong legs. They can clear Tokyo Tower in one jump. While this herbivore is peaceful, care must be taken when shooing them. They can kick. You may be wondering why Growlithe is followed by Ponyta in this Pokedex and not Arcanine. That's because Arcanine isn't classified as a grassland Pokemon. Instead, it's at the end of the Pokedex with the legendaries, which we'll get to later along with some more bizarre entries. Pokemon's Kanto region is based on the real-life Kanto of Japan, and the intro to this Pokedex, as well as many of its entries like one stating Charizard poop can be found on Mount Fuji, suggests the Pokemon world takes place in or alongside our world, planet Earth in the year 1996, making Pokemon's Kanto and Japan's Kanto one in the same. The following dex entry says number 3, Rabidash. Ponyta's evolution. They can run up to 240 kilometers per hour. They can keep pace with a Shinkansen bullet train while enveloping themselves in flames. They obey people dutifully. And the next reads, number 4, Meowth. Being nocturnal, they sleep through the day. At night, they prowl their territory with eyes aglow. They are a happily beneficial Pokemon that can earn their trainer pocket change using their payday move. Although not mentioned in Meowth's entry, Pokemon varying intelligence levels are brought up repeatedly throughout this Pokedex. In a July 2000 interview, Creatures Chairman Tsunakazu Ishihara explained why Meowth is the only Pokemon in the anime capable of human speech. He said during development, Chijiri mapped out every Pokemon's intelligence on a chart. Pokemon who were incredibly smart could understand human language, like Lapras, and the highest intelligence tier could actually talk, which implies that of the original 151, Meowth may be the smartest of them all. The next entry is number 5, Persian. Fickle and ferocious. Beware if they raise their tails straight. It's a sure sign that they are preparing to leap and bite. Due to their gorgeous coat, many women keep them as trophy pets. This is followed by number 6, Mankey. Light on their feet and extremely volatile. They can fly into a rage and rampage uncontrollably. While they are usually in good spirits, their disposition can change instantly at the slightest provocation. Some researchers point to a calcium deficiency. And the next entry is number 7, Primeape. Mankey's evolution. They are always enraged. They will give chase and will not stop however far one runs. It's all over if you lock eyes with one. According to Professor Oak's journal, the invention of Pokeballs is linked to Primeape. In 1925, Professor Nishinomori was experimenting on his Primeape by administering drugs to try and extract its angry energy. But in his old age, he lost some control of his senses and accidentally gave Primeape too many drugs, weakening it to the point where Primeape curled up like a fetus and fit into the professor's glasses case. This experiment gone awry led to more tests that ultimately resulted in the modern Pokeball. Moving on to the next entries, Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan. Number 8, Hitmonlee. Their legs can be freely extended and contracted. Kicks can be delivered to even faraway foes. They are surprisingly docile when they are not fighting, also known as the demon of kickboxing. Number 9, Hitmonchan, a Pokemon inhabited by the spirit of a pro boxer. They throw punches faster than a Shinkansen bullet train. Although their habitat is unknown, based on their behavior, they have been categorized as a grassland Pokemon, the same as Hitmonlee. Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan's English names are nods to Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, but in Japan, Hitmonlee is called Sawamular, after 60s kickboxer Tadashi Sawamura. Hitmonchan's Japanese name is Ebuwalar, after 60s boxing champion Hiroyuki Ebihara. This Pokedex says Hitmonchan is possessed by the spirit of a pro boxer, which seems to imply the boxer is Ebihara himself, who died in 1991 during Gen 1's development. On the other hand, Hitmonlee's entry does not say it is inhabited by the spirit of a kickboxer, which 
makes sense, as Tadashi Sawamura was still alive during production. Although sadly, Sawamura did pass away in 2021, while this video was being researched. The following passage discussed the Rhydon line. Number 10, Rhyhorn. While they lack intelligence, they have plenty of power. Their ramming can shatter even building towers. They are not suited as house pets. Number 11, Rhydon. Evolving from Rhyhorn made this Pokemon stand on their hind legs. This process prompts development of their brain and intelligence. While evolution makes them easier to raise, they remain as rough as ever. Their horn can punch holes through even boulders. And the next Pokemon is the one we are all used to seeing first on the decks. Number 12, Bulbasaur. They are born with a seed implanted on their back that grows large over time. Researchers have argued over six years on the issue of whether this Pokemon should be classified as an animal or a plant. The issue remains undecided. Researchers arguing over Bulbasaur's classification for six years seems to be a nod to how red and green took six years to develop. Other parts of the Pokedex reference the game's production as well, like how the intro says Baron Tajiran only discovered 30 Pokemon. This is probably because at one point Tajiri thought the Game Boy carts would only have room for 30 Pokemon. We also translated a few parts of Tajiri's biographical manga, which explains the only reason Game Freak was able to fit more than 30 Pokemon was because Shigeru Miyamoto saved the day and provided them with larger Game Boy carts with more storage. The next entries are for the rest of the Venusaur line. Number 13, Ivysaur. Bulbasaur's evolution. The plant on their back has grown to a bud. It absorbs nutrients and blooms as a large flower. Number 14, Venusaur. Ivysaur's evolution. Their flower wafts a dreamily intoxicating aroma that pacifies those spoiling for a fight. It remains unclear as to what they eat to maintain their bulk of 2 meter height and 100 kilogram weight. Because they often rest on moving in sunlit places, there is strong support for the hypothesis that they photosynthesize. You'll notice that some of these dex entries are far longer than the ones found in the games. The original Japanese versions of Gen 1 squeeze the entries onto a single screen, but English requires a lot more characters to communicate the same information. So during the localization process, Knob fought tooth and nail to get a second screen added to the English version. Otherwise, half the facts would have to get cut. But even after the programmers gave him twice the space to work with, many entries still ended up being tightly squeezed. But for this video, we're not restricted by the sort of limitations that plagued Game Boy games. So these entries are exact translations from Japanese, uncensored. The next Pokemon on the list is number 15, Sandshrew. They dig and live in burrows. When threatened, they curl up to protect themselves. Besides grasslands, they also appear in mountainous environments. This is followed by number 16, Charmander. Right from birth, a flame burns at the end of their tail. They cannot survive if the flame were to go out. Smokers often keep them in place of lighters. A smoker using Charmander's flame to light his cigarette was depicted in a set of Pokemon playing cards published in Japan's Koro Koro Comics in late 1996, illustrated by series artist Kagemaru Himeno. The card's art are inspired by Pokedex entries from the book and the game, so throughout this video we'll highlight all the cards derived from this Pokedex. A big thanks to friends of the channel, Hi-Rez Pokemon, for scanning much of the art used in this video. Check him out sometime if you're into rare Pokemon artwork. Up next we have number 17, Charmeleon. Charmander's evolution. They flail with their tail to mow down foes and then shred enemies with their sharp claws. Their powerful tail can hoist five adults, approximately 300 kilograms. This is of course followed by number 18, Charizard. Charmeleon's evolution. Capable of flying up to 1400 meters in altitude using their wings. This figure was accepted as fact when droppings thought to be theirs were found mid-level on Mount Fuji. They breathe fire and can even melt boulders. The next entry is for number 19, Sandslash. Sandshrew's evolution. They scurry about quickly. They are adept 
at attacking using their pointed spines on their back and their sharp claws. And after this is number 20, Nidoran female. Although small, they have venomous needles with devastating power. The females have a smaller horn than the males. Their breeding period comes every year in spring. At the end of the summer, they lay two eggs that hatch in two weeks, one male and one female. Baby Nidoran are just 10 centimeters long. Baby Nidoran can actually be seen on a 1997 ad for Pokemon Battle Pencils, a sort of rock, paper, scissors game with Pokemon moves written on each side of a pencil. This Pokedex has several hints about Pokemon and features that were planned to be included in Gold and Silver, so it's possible Nidoran babies were once planned as well, but were scrapped. This is a little speculative though, so take that with a grain of salt. The next entry states, number 21, Nidorina. Being female, they are placid in nature. They emit ultrasonic cries that can allure enemies. While they are evolved from Nidoran female, they lose the ability to lay eggs upon evolution. Even though breeding wasn't introduced until Gen 2, concept art from the early 90s shows Game Freak was thinking about breeding from the very beginning. And for some reason, it seems it was always intended for female Nidoran and the entire Nidoking line to be able to breed, but not Nidorina and Nidoqueen, who even now in Generation 8 are still incapable of laying eggs. Next up is number 22, Nidoqueen. Their body is cloaked in stiff, needle-like scales that stand up when they become agitated. As they grow, they learn powerful moves like Mega Punch and Fire Blast. While they are thought to be the final evolution of Nidoran female, it is said a special stone is needed to evolve. The next entry is for number 23, Vulpix. They have six gorgeous tails that increase in number as they grow. They are thought to be related to foxes. This link between Vulpix and foxes implies that they evolved from a common ancestor. Pokemon branching off from real animals and real animals evolving from Pokemon is a running theme through this Pokedex. Next up is the Nidoking line. Number 24, Nidoran male. They flap their large ears like butterfly wings when straining to hear faraway sounds. They extend venomous needles when angered. In their breeding season, their horn glows in seven colors for wooing females. Apparently, the larger the horn, the more appealing to females. Number 25, Nidorino. They are easily angered. They flail with their well-developed horn to skewer even diamonds. While they are the evolved form of Nidoran male, unlike Nidorina, they do not lose their breeding ability. Number 26, Nidoking. Their rock-hard hide and long claws are distinguished characteristics. The horn is also venomous. Like Nidoqueen, they can learn powerful moves. They appear to shy away from fighting Nidoqueen. The next segment is for number 27, Ninetales, Vulpix's evolution. They are clad in a golden fur and have nine long tails. They are long-living Pokemon that are said to live for a thousand years. There is even a saying, nine tails, a thousand years. Blastoise, 10,000 years. With this entry, the book was ahead of the games, as Ninetales living for a thousand years didn't appear in another Pokemon until Pokemon Crystal. Ninetales lives for a thousand years as it's based on Kitsune from Japanese folklore, supernatural foxes that grow more tails as they get older. Kitsune sprout their ninth tail when they live to a thousand, when they also become golden. Kitsune are also said to have paranormal abilities and take on spirit forms, presumably the reason Ninetales is capable of learning psychic and ghost attacks. The next segment is on number 28, Execute. While they appear to be eggs of some sort, recent studies identified them to be creatures similar to plant seeds. While some researchers claim they are the same as the plant growing out of Bulbasaur's back, that theory is yet to be proven. This is of course followed by number 29, Executor, also known as the Walking Tropical Forest. Each of their fruits has a face with its own unique will. They are the evolved form of Execute. The next entry is for number 30, Cubone. They wear the skull of their dead mother. They cry loudly when they feel lonely. It is said they got their onomatopoeic Japanese name of Karakara from the dry, clattering sound of their head striking the skull. 
The following entry says number 31, Marowak. They learn the rare move Bone Meringue. They are weak when they are small, but appear to gain a violent nature when they learn to use bones. This segment is followed by number 32, Chansey. They lay several eggs a day. The eggs are nutritionally rich and fantastically delicious. They are peaceful and do not like to fight very much. Later entries mention experiments by the researchers who wrote this Pokedex, so Chansey eggs being described as delicious implies the researchers taste-tested the eggs themselves. The next entry is number 33, Tangela. A plant-type Pokemon covered in blue plant vines that hide their actual form. They try to entangle anyone approaching too closely. Many researchers have attempted to cut away all the vines in hopes of seeing what they hide, but all attempts ended in failure due to Tangela's furious resistance. After this is number 34, Kangaskhan. The females place and raise their baby in a pouch on their belly. They are skilled at pummeling with Comet Punch. This entry specifies that only female Kangaskhan carry babies in their pouch, which is interesting, as all Kangaskhan are female. Like we said earlier, several entries in this dex make vague references to Pokemon and features added in gold and silver, like Politoed and Branching Evolutions. Genders were first introduced in Gen 2. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. so it's possible Game Freak was planning to include male Kangaskhan when this was written. The next Pokemon is number 35, Lickitung. At 2.5 meters, their tongue is twice as long as their height. The tongue is usually stowed in their mouth curled up like that of chameleons. When hunting or attacking, they can move their tongue as if it were an arm. A ravenous appetite and a lazy nature must have shaped this Pokemon's evolution. Koro Koro's Jack of Spades gives us a glimpse into Lickitung's ravenous appetite. Lickitung was inspired by Japanese folklore's Akaname, a yokai with a huge tongue and one claw on each foot. And they're known for licking up the filth in bathtubs and bathrooms, which is why the in-game Pokedex says Lickitung licks filth clean with its tongue. Several Pokemon have Pokedex numbers with special significance, and Nob shared with us his theory on why Game Freak made the licking Pokemon number 108 in the decks. He said, 108 in Japanese is read Hiyakuhashi. It rhymes with Shakuhashi, a traditional recorder-like instrument which is also slang for blowjob. Draw your own conclusion. No one involved in development would admit to it, of course, but hey, that's just a theory, so take it with a grain of salt. On to a less disturbing entry, number 36, Scyther. They lethally shred their prey with their sharp scythes. They can fly on their wings, though only occasionally. They're very rare with few captured specimens. It's worth noting that lethal means to cause death. Many in-game entries talk about Scyther slashing and slicing, but this is the only official source we could find that says Scyther literally kills prey by cutting them to pieces. Next up is number 37, Electabuzz. They love to feast on powerful electricity. They appear 
appear somewhat frequently at major power plants. Like Scyther, they are captured only rarely. Both Scyther and Electabuzz can distinguish colors. They have a natural affinity for the color red in particular. This Pokedex makes special note of several Pokemon who can distinguish colors, which implies that just like many animals in the real world, most Pokemon can't distinguish colors. In episode 42 of the anime, Ash's Pokedex tells him Electabuzz and Scyther are both rare Pokemon that can distinguish colors and are enraged by the color red. These details were never mentioned in the games, so presumably, the anime lifted this lore directly from the book. The next entry states, Number 38, Pinsir. The two Longhorns are powerful. Once they clamp tight on their prey, they won't loosen until the victim is torn apart. They are extremely rare Pokemon with very few reported sightings. They appear to prefer the color green. This is followed by number 39, Tauros. When ramming, they whip their body harshly with their three tails. They will not attack unless they are attacked first. They can be found in places like the Savari Zone. Next up is number 40, Eevee, a special Pokemon that can evolve into three different Pokemon species. They are difficult to categorize because so few have been caught. From their behavior, they were included among the Pokemon of Grasslands. The next three entries are of the Gen 1 Eeveelutions. Number 41, Vaporeon, an Eevee evolution. Their body's cellular structure is close to that of water molecules. As a result, they can melt away invisibly in water. They can learn the move Surf from swimming across bodies of water. Number 42, Jolteon. When enraged or startled, all their body hair stands upright like needles that puncture their foes. They learn electric-type moves like Thunder, Thunderbolt, and Thunder Wave. They are the evolved form of Eevee. Number 43, Flareon. They have a flame sack inside their body. They inhale deeply and then blow flames of 1,700 degrees Celsius. This and the other two evolved forms of Eevee appear to have some connection with special stones. And this brings us to the end of the grassland Pokemon, by far Kanto's most populated habitat. The other eight classifications average about 13 Pokemon apiece, with most sections giving tidbits about how their Pokemon evolved, getting progressively more interesting the deeper we go. The next section is the mountain Pokemon, with the book telling us, Here we profile Pokemon that live in mountainous environments more than 1,000 meters above sea level. Many of these mountain-dwelling Pokemon exhibit evolutionary adaptations to their bodies, both entirely and partially perhaps due to their harsh habitats. They may also appear in grasslands and even towns on occasion. The first mountainous Pokemon on the decks is number 44, Onyx. They usually live submerged in soil. They burrow at 80 kilometers per hour in search of prey. Like other ground-type Pokemon, Onyx is strong against poison-type attacks. Conversely, they are vulnerable to water-type attacks. The book has a diagram of Pokemon heights compared to humans, with Onyx being the tallest. Some fans have long wondered how exactly height is measured, and this diagram makes it clear that height actually refers to a Pokemon's length, measured flat from end to end. Next up are Diglett and Dugtrio. Number 45. Diglett. They burrow through the ground close to the surface. They leave ridged trails of soil in their wake that betray their location. They may appear in the trail of an onyx. They are probably seeking onyx's leftovers. They evolve into Dotrio. Number 46, Dugtrio. They burrow underground to hide themselves, and then strike the unsuspecting target from a different spot. Some researchers categorize Dugtrio, Dodrio, Execute, and Executor as one genre. These entries are followed by number 47, Geodude, a docile Pokemon that does not harm people. That said, they can lose their temper if they are accidentally stepped on in caves, for example. They can be found when hiking on mountains. Being round and easy to hold, people toss them back and forth in Geodude fights. Here we get an illustration 
creation of Geodude hiding itself in a pile of rocks by Benimaru Ito, the creature's artist who, together with Ken Sugimori, made most of the book's artwork. Ito likes to go by the name Ash, and later became the chief designer of the 3D models in Pokemon Snap and Stadium, and even did some artwork for the Pokemon TCG. Next up is number 48, Graveler, Geodude's evolution. When walking on sloped mountain trails, Graveler may come tumbling along. While their face wears a smile, their eyes never smile. It is very creepy to see them rolling with that expression. This is naturally followed by number 49, Golem. They tumble on sloped trails at twice the speed of a Graveler. They are probably Graveler's evolution. They are encased in a hard shell composed of sheetrock-like slabs. They grow larger by shedding their shell once a year. With luck, people may find a golem's discarded shell on a mountain in summer. Next up, the Machamp line. Number 50, Machop. Being entirely muscle-bound, they have the power to throw a hundred adult people despite their small, childlike stature. Number 51, Machoke. Machop's evolution. Their powerful body never tires. Diligent and hardworking, they help people with work such as transporting heavy cargo. Number 52, Machamp. Their four fully developed arms can throw a thousand punches in just two seconds. While they are thought to be Machoke's evolution, no one has yet to witness their evolutionary process. In general, Pokemon evolve through growth. However, recent studies have concluded that Machamp and Golem have not evolved from growing. Korokoro's Nine of Clubs provides a nice visual of those thousand punches. Machamp and Golem's entries say they are thought to be evolved forms of Machoke and Graveler. The introduction we read earlier says, the descriptive text for each Pokemon includes only facts known to date. In other words, everything contained in this Pokedex is true, but there are some things the researchers who wrote it don't know for certain yet. Apparently, they haven't discovered the concept of trade evolutions. The next entry is for number 53, Magmar, a species found near a volcano's crater. They breathe fire. Their body temperature is extremely high at 1,200 degrees Celsius. This Pokemon is very hard to spot in the wild with only a few captured. This is followed by number 54, Snorlax. They are unsatisfied unless they eat 400 kilograms of food a day. As soon as they finish eating, they fall asleep. At 460 kilograms, they are the heaviest out of all the Pokemon discovered. While they usually live in mountains, they occasionally descend and appear in towns. They are gluttonous and will consume even moldy food without ever getting sick. It is said their ability to consume mold earned them the Japanese name of Cabagon. Here we get some Ito artwork saying the only time Snorlax is awake is when it's eating. Kabi is the Japanese word for mold, and this Pokemon got its Japanese name Cabagon because it's based on Game Freak developer Koji Nishino who another developer said would eat pretty much anything he found around the office, even if it was moldy. This earned Nishino the nickname Cabagon, so it ultimately became the name of the Pokemon as well. The next entry is number 55, Zubat. They live in murky caves on mountainous and similar environments. Because they live in perpetual darkness, their eyes retrogressed and disappeared. They emit ultrasonic cries for flitting around in darkness. Apparently, it is very rare for them to fly outside their caves. Many people think bats in the real world are blind, Hence the expression, blind as a bat. But that's not actually true. Bats can see just fine, some even better than humans. They do spend a lot of their lives in darkness, though, so they developed powerful hearing and echolocation abilities through evolution. This Pokedex entry takes evolution a step further, explaining that Zubat not only gained echolocation, but its eyes disappeared entirely. In the Professor Oak's journal selection of this book, he explains these sort of traits are a result of Pokemon and animals' divergent evolution. The final mountain entry is for number 56, Golbat, Zubat's evolution. They bite with their sharp fangs and suck 300 millimeters in one chomp. And now on to the next habitat. 
the Water's Edge Pokemon, with the book explaining that Pokemon that live in or near bodies of water can be roughly split into two types. One type consists of plant Pokemon that are vulnerable to fire-type attacks, the other type are animals that live in shallow waters. The latter group have water-type moves that make them strong against fire. First up in this section is number 57, Squirtle. When it retracts its long neck into its shell, it squirts out water with vigorous force. Water-type moves of this sort are effective against fire, ground, and rock-type Pokemon. It is unfortunate, but this Pokemon's habitat is unknown. Presumably its habitat is unknown because starter Pokemon can't be found anywhere in Kanto, except in Professor Oak's lab. You never actually get to see Squirtle's long neck, but this fact was later included in Fire Red's Pokedex as well. So Squirtle's neck is similar to Doduo's wings, or how Pokemon Mystery Dungeon and talks about Diglett's feet. You never get to see them, but they do exist. This continues with the rest of the Blastoise line. Number 58, Wartortle, Squirtle's evolution. Their profile is cute when they are fighting. They are highly popular as pets. Their fur-covered tail is a symbol of longevity. Number 59, Blastoise, Wartortle's evolution. They make their foe faint by squashing the victim with their heavy body. Their bulk makes quick movements impossible, but they have overwhelming power to compensate. When endangered, they can draw themselves into their shell. They are well protected thanks to their armor-like shell. They are capable and reliable Pokemon that learn such effective moves as Ice Beam and Surf. Entry 27, Ninetales, alluded to Blastoise living 10,000 years. This is actually a nod to the Minogame from Japanese mythology, a turtle who can live 10,000 years and is so old it has seaweed for a tail. The Minogame is prominently featured in a Japanese fairy tale, and even though it's a little long, it's worth sharing to explain the lore for Blastoise, War Turtle, and also some Lapras lore that comes up later. One day, a fisherman named Urashima Taro saw a group of boys torturing a turtle, which he rescued then released into the ocean. The next day, a Minogame finds Taro and tells him the turtle he saved is a princess, the daughter of Ryujin, the emperor of the sea. As thanks, the Minogame takes Taro under the ocean to a palace where he meets the princess, but three days later, he tells the princess he wants to return to the surface to visit his aging mother. The princess is sad to see him go, but wishes him well and gives him a mysterious box, warning him to never open it. After returning home, Taro realizes 300 years has passed in the surface world. His home has disappeared, and everyone he ever knew is dead. Stricken by grief, he decides to open the mysterious box, which bursts into a cloud of smoke and transforms him into an old man with a white beard and a bent back. The story ends with the princess's sad, sweet voice coming from the ocean, telling him, I told you not to open the box. Inside it was your age. At this point, you're probably wondering what any of this has to do with Blastoise. Wartortle's design is the one based on the Minogame, although it's got a feathery, furry tail instead of literal seaweed. A 2019 leak of the beta back sprites revealed that during Gen 1's development, Wartortle originally had a different evolution, who was also based on the Minogame, while Blastoise was part of a separate turtle family. It seems Game Freak decided the two turtle lines overlapped and combined them into one to avoid redundancies. War Turtle's evolution was scrapped, along with what appears to be an early pre-evolution for Blastoise. So this lore about Blastoise living 10,000 years was probably intended for the old War Turtle evolution, and Blastoise simply inherited the lore when it took its place. Some of the lore was also redistributed to Lapras, whose entry we'll get to later. The next water Pokemon are number 60, Staryu. They are commonly found on beaches. At 
night, their central core flashes brightly. They are gynandrous. They possess both male and female reproductive organs. If a part of their body is cut off, they regenerate the missing body parts. Their evolution appears to be linked to a special stone. This is naturally followed by number 61, Starmie. Little headway has been made into the research of Starmie. Because they are encountered in the sea, they have been classified as a Water's Edge Pokemon. However, locally, it is suspected that they are alien creatures from their geometrical body. Pokemon didn't have genders in Gen 1, but from Gen 2 onwards, Staryu and Starmie were both classified as gender unknown, or what fans usually refer to as genderless. But here we get a little more detail, with the decks telling us that they have both male and female reproductive organs, like hermaphroditic flowers. Next up is the Golduck line. Number 62, Psyduck. They are always suffering from a headache. If their headache intensifies, they start using mysterious powers. They can learn a variety of moves including Strength, Surf, and Dig. Number 63, Golduck. Psyduck's evolution. Their hands are webbed, making them skilled swimmers. Their elegant form can be seen on lakes and similar settings. They can learn Hyper Beam, a move that has not been observed among Psyduck. The book provides this illustration of Kanto's fastest swimmers, showing Golduck as the fastest. It doesn't say Golduck's exact speed, but it's somewhere in an excess of 90 kilometers an hour. Next up is number 64, Oddish, also known as Wakamendis. At night, they walk up to 300 meters on their two roots. Being plants, it was a mystery as to why they walked. It was finally determined by a recent study that it was for the survival of the species. They scatter their pollen as they walk. The nickname Wakamendis is the sort of Japanese wordplay that simply doesn't work in English. When Japanese puns are used in the games, they usually get removed entirely during localization. The name is a gag on Archimedes, the famous Greek figure. Wakamendis also breaks down into Akimendesu, which translates into English as We Are Walking Men, because Oddish is a plant that walks. The rest of the entries for this line are number 65, Gloom, Oddish's evolution. Their pistol emits a horrifically foul stench that makes foes faint up to two kilometers away. A special stone appears to be involved in Gloom's evolution. Number 66, Vileplume. From their world's largest petals, they scatter wicked plumes of pollen that induce allergic reactions. Other Pokemon can't get near where Vileplume lives. Vileplume has the largest petals in the world because it draws inspiration from the Refleshia arnoldii, a parasitic plant that produces the largest single flower on Earth. They grow in real-life rainforests and have an overpowering odor of decaying flesh, which is why the Vileplume family have such a horrific stench. This entry is followed by number 67, Crabby. Found near the sea, when they fight, they raise their large pincers to intimidate their foe. However, they usually prefer to avoid fighting. If a pincer is torn off, it grows back. And next up is the Victory Bell line. Number 68, Bellsprout. Their bud has the appearance of a human face. Because of it, they are said to be a type of a legendary mandrake root. They feed mainly on small insects. Number 69, Weepin' Bell. Bellsprout's evolution. The leaves are cutters for shredding foes. They can spit a liquid that dissolves anything. Unlike Bellsprout, they capture and eat fairly large bugs and birds. Their feeding is an exceedingly bizarre spectacle. Number 70, Victory Bell. Thought to be Weepin' Bell's evolution because of their many shared attributes. Prey are drawn with a honey-like aroma into Victory Bell's mouth, where they are melted by a dissolving fluid. This Pokemon is omnivorous and will eat anything that fits in their mouth. Victory Bell's based on real-life pitcher plants that draw in prey with nectar that drown them in it. They mostly feed on insects, but are known to have feasted on mice. The next Pokemon is 
is number 71, Kingler. Krabby's Evolution The hard pincers have 10,000 horsepower strength. However, they are also too large, making this Pokemon ponderous in motion. They may also be seen deep inside caves. This is followed by the Slowbro line. Number 72, Slowpoke. They are always vacant and out to lunch. It is impossible to determine what they are thinking. They live by the water's edge where they deftly catch prey with their tail. Although they have enough smarts to fish that way, they exhibit no other behavior that would indicate any greater intelligence. They frequently swim under sea in search of prey, but are often mistakenly caught themselves. With some people becoming happily relaxed seeing a slowpoke, others become irritated. Perhaps those people who become soothed lead hectic lives. Number 73, Slowbro. When Slowpoke went foraging in the sea, they were bitten on their tail by Shelter. This resulted in their evolution into Slowbro. It is unknown as to why they did not try to remove the Shelter. It is suspected that doing so would have required too much effort. While they can learn devastating physical attacks like Mega Punch and Mega Kick, they are naturally averse to fighting. Like Slowpoke, they appear to prefer zoning out. Here we have an illustration of Shelter latching onto Slowpoke's tail. This rendering barely resembles an actual Shelter, and looks more like a Pokemon called Taban from Gold and Silver's 1997 demo. It's possible Taban was originally planned for Gen 1 as well, which would explain why the creature on Slowbro's tail never looked like a Shelter. But we can't say for sure, as recent leaks have only proven that Taban was cut from Gen 2. The next habitat are the forests. This habitat is introduced with the words, to small creatures, a forest is a paradise, overflowing with the bounties of nature like honey-laden flowers, fruits, and nuts. Many bug-type and small animal-type Pokemon can be seen in forests, where they avail themselves to the abundant food sources. However, the kinds of food available also make large Pokemon rare in forests. And the first entry is number 74, Caterpie. When they shed their green skin to grow, they wrap themselves in silk and transform into a cocoon. Out of all the Pokemon discovered to date, they are the fastest to evolve. The tiny bird Pokemon Pidgey is their arch enemy. If Caterpie even sensed the presence of Pidgey, they quickly burrow underground. Those too slow to hide fall prey to Pidgey. While a forest may appear peaceful, there are harsh rules that dictate the survival of the fittest. Although partially obscured, Korokoro's Eight of Hearts shows Pidgey preying on Caterpie. Throughout this Pokedex, and especially in the forest, we get an impression of Kanto's food chain. Which Pokemon eat plants, which eat real-life animals like plankton and fish, which Pokemon get eaten, and who preys on them. Next up is the rest of the Butterfree line. Number 75, Metapod. Caterpie's evolution. While they are encased in a hard shell, the inside is tender, making them vulnerable to harsh attacks. Worse, being mid-metamorphosis, they are challenged to move quickly. Number 76, Butterfree. A week to 10 days after evolving, Metapod undergo another evolutionary step and metamorphose into Butterfree. Their wings are covered in water-repellent, powder-like scales that enable them to fly even on rainy days. This detail about water-repellent scales helping Butterfree fly in the rain can be seen on Korokoro's Two of Diamonds. These entries are followed by the Beedrill line. Number 77, Weedle. Common in not only forests, but also grasslands. There is a small, sharp poison stinger of around 5 centimeters in length on the top of their head. When faced with a foe, they wiggle the stinger for intimidation. They favor food like ginkgo leaves. Number 78, Kakuna. 
a temporary evolutionary form taken while readying the mature form. In their previous guise as Weedle, they are said to eat many leaves in preparation for assuming this pupil form. They are almost incapable of moving. Number 79, Beedrill. Kakuna's evolution. They may appear in swarms. They buzz around at dizzying speed and jab repeatedly with the venomous stinger on their tail. When they grow and learn Twin Needle, they become untouchable. Number 80, Ratata. Their fangs are long, sharp, and continually grow throughout their life. They gnaw on hard objects to keep the ever-growing fangs workably short. They feast on nuts like walnuts and acorns. They also like processed food like cheese and milk. Ratata have to gnaw on hard objects because just like real-life rodents, their teeth never stop growing. Left unchecked, rodent teeth grow so long they break through the roof of their mouths till they can't eat anymore and eventually die of starvation. Instead of Raticate next, we have the Parasect line. Number 81, Paris. Growing from the bug's back are mushrooms called Tochukaso. The mushrooms grow in step with the Pokemon. They live under fallen trees and forests. When they grow to a certain size, they move to grasslands and marshes. Number 82, Parasect. They scatter toxic spores from the mushroom's cap. In China, the spores are apparently used as ingredients of herbal medicine. Being Paris's evolution, Parasect was included among the Pokemon of forests. However, they are almost impossible to find in forests. Tochukaso are real fungus that replace the host tissue and can affect the behavior of their insect host and even kill it. The fungus is extremely valuable in China, where they are believed to combat ailments like fatigue and even cancer, fetching high prices of over $1,000 for a single kilogram. Tochukaso are also considered an aphrodisiac, and are so highly prized that some are literally willing to kill for them. Like in 2011, when 19 Nepalese villagers were convicted of murdering several farmers in a fight over these fungal remedies. This is followed by number 83, Venomoth. The wings are covered in powdery, toxic scales. With every flap of their wings, they scatter the scales in clouds. They are said to live in the safari zone. However, they are difficult to find due to their small population. Their larval and pupil stages are shrouded in mystery. And next up is number 84, Raticate. Ratata's evolution. Their rear feet have three toes with small webs in between for swimming across rivers. In addition to nuts, naturally, they also feed on fish. This is followed by possibly the most famous Pokemon, number 85, Pikachu. They live in forests where they feed mainly on nuts. They are few in number and challenging to find. There are small electricity storing pouches on each side of their cheeks that are discharged when endangered. Smart and charming with an affectionate nature, they are the most popular Pokemon among researchers. Pikachu evolve into Raichu, but many trainers prevent evolution because they don't want their Pokemon to change appearance. And here we get some bizarre artwork showing Pikachu strapped down to a table as its voltage is measured through its cheeks. This Pokedex talks a lot about what Pokemon eat, like how Pikachu feasts on nuts. And according to Ken Sugimori, sustenance is one of the most important considerations in a Pokemon's creation. He said, one of the biggest things to decide is what a Pokemon eats. Whether or not we can think of something for a Pokemon to survive on is a huge turning point in the creation of any Pokemon. What do Pokemon based on inorganic items like Magnemite eat? It's the job of Game Freak's creative team to make sure there are proper answers for all these kinds of Pokemon. Ghost-type Pokemon, for example, might feed on the spirit or reap energy from the air around them. Over many interviews, Sugimori's made it clear that all Pokemon have defined food sources baked into their design, whether or not it ends up 
in the Pokedex. And next, of course, is number 86, Raichu. Their electric strikes can reach 100,000 volts. Unwittingly touching them can cause even Indian elephants to faint. This Pokemon can learn all electric-type moves. There have been no reports of Raichu sightings in forests. This is followed by number 87, Venonat. Their eyes serve as radars that let them stay active in darkness. The eyes also emit beams of light. They have been confirmed to be a bug type. They appear to have the potential for evolution, but it remains a mystery. Even though they live in the same habitat, this Pokedex breaks up several Pokemon families with its numbering system. In most cases, probably for formatting purposes. Like how Vulpix and Ninetales balance out the Nidoran pages. But the Venonat family isn't just broken up, it's presented out of order. With Venomoth's entries saying its larval and pupil stages are shrouded in mystery, Venonat most resembles a real-life flea, but also bears some resemblance to venomous caterpillars that turn into moths, which makes Venonat the larval stage of Venomoth. But compared to real-life moths, they're still missing a pupil form, which is probably why the Pokedex researchers haven't figured out these two Pokemon are related. This Pokedex makes a few references to Gen 1's development, so these entries could be referring to a scrapped middle stage, or it could be hinting at a middle stage Game Freak was considering for Gen 2, the same way Polyrath's entry hints at a new frog evolution that became Politoed. There's also a popular fan theory that because Butterfree and Venonat bear so many similarities, Butterfree and Venomoth might have been switched in development, similar to what happened with the Squirtle family, which if true, would explain where the pupil stage went. Unfortunately, all three theories suffer from a lack of evidence, so unless a future leak or developer interview sheds some light on the situation, this missing pupil stage remains as mysterious to us as it is to the researchers who wrote the Pokedex. Next up, we have this gen Serpents. Number 88. Ekans. They flick their tongue about to sense danger in their surroundings. This carnivore swallows all food whole with almost no chewing. They love the eggs of Pidgey and Spearow. Rattata are also preyed upon occasionally. If they swallow a Rattata, they can go without food again for a month. They grow by shedding repeatedly. In the winter, they hibernate in the warm soil of forests. In the summer, they are also common sites in grasslands. Number 89. Arbok. Ekans evolution. Consequently, this Pokemon is also a venomous serpent. The markings of their belly have the appearance of a frightening face. Timid foes flee at the sight of such a face. They are skilled at using glare that induces paralysis in their foe. If you encounter an Arbok on a path, you should avert your gaze. They are mortal enemies of Raticate. The two Pokemon fight viciously like a viper and a mongoose. Interestingly, the rivalry between Arbok and Raticate didn't see much action throughout the series, so the dynamic was eventually recreated for Saviper and Zangoose in Generation 3. On this page, Benamaru Ito provides some artwork showing a variety of Arbok belly patterns, which also appeared in the Pokemon Adventures manga, where each pattern has a special strength, like boosted speed and attack stats. Arbok's in-game Pokedex entries say it has different belly markings from area to area, and six variations have been confirmed. But unfortunately, the concept for Arbok having different designs in different areas was abandoned after Generation 2. Two designs appeared in the game's first two generations, but instead of introducing more variations, all future games in the series just reused the first two over and over. The next habitat is for the creatures of the seas, with the Pokedex telling us these Pokemon aren't as intelligent and haven't evolved much over the past two million years as their land-dwelling counterparts. The book gives us a brief intro to the habitat, saying, The sea-dwelling Pokemon retain attributes from ancient times. They do so because
because the underwater environments have not undergone major changes. The seas are also more amenable to life than on land, so there was little need for marine Pokémon to evolve. With some exceptions, there are no highly intelligent Pokémon in the seas. The first Pokémon for this habitat is number 90, Gyarados. Extremely vicious and violent. They completely incinerate all matter with Hyper Beam fired from their mouth. They apparently live on the seafloor and in deep water. As a result, they are rarely seen. The most recent specimen was a corpse washed up on shore 35 years ago. They are omnivorous with fangs capable of crushing boulders. Their steel-hard scales can be fashioned into jewelry-like rings. Such accessories command astonishing prices. Next up is the Sea King line. Number 91, Goldeen. The dorsal and ventral fins are built up like muscles. They help propel this Pokemon through water at a speed of five knots. Having little intelligence, they are known to unwittingly swim into a Gyarados's mouth where they become an easy meal. Number 92, Sea King. Goldeen's evolution. Using their drill-like horn, they hollow out boulders to make their nest. They swim up rivers to spawn every year. This is followed by the Tentacruel line, number 93, Tentacruel. From their crystal clear eyes, they emit mysterious rays of light. They feed on plankton. 99% of their body is composed of water. Number 94, Tentacruel. The 80 tentacles move about freely to ensnare prey like small fish. The tentacles also have venomous needles that induce poisoning and full body paralysis. For those qualities, they are called Gangsters of the Sea. The nickname Gangsters of the Sea was never used in any in-game Pokedex, but was mentioned in Ash's Pokedex in episode 19 of the anime, which, just like Scyther and Electabuzz's hatred of Red, was presumably lifted directly from this Pokedex. In other words, though this book is largely unknown outside Japan, it's had a lasting influence on the series since the very beginning. Next up is the Dugong line. Number 95, Seal. The light blue-haired hide is thick and tough. They remain active even in intense cold of negative 40 degrees Celsius. They live in sea caves and the like. During the day, they often drift in the sea, probably searching for food. Number 96, Dugong. Seal's evolution. They are cloaked entirely in pure white hair. Their blubber reaches an incredible thickness of 30 centimeters. They are highly resistant to cold. In fact, they become more active when the temperature is falling. This is followed by number 97, Lapras. Intelligent enough to understand human speech. Being placid in nature, they prefer to ferry people across water on their back rather than fight. Needless to say, they are skilled at using the move Surf. They can also learn a diverse mix of moves like Mist, Confuse Ray, and High Pump. Little headway has been made in their study due to their small population. Some claim the turtle ridden by the folklore hero Taro Uroshima was actually a Lapras. While Lapras's design was clearly inspired by plesiosaurs and Scottish folklore's Loch Ness Monster, it also used some lore from the fairy tale about the Minogame that took Taro to Ryujin's palace, which we covered in Blastoise's entry in part one. Ryujin itself also went on to inspire Lugia in generation two, but that's a topic we already covered in our Lugia Origins video. So rather than repeat it, we'll leave a link in the corner and below if you want to hear the full story. Alongside this Pokedex entry, the book provides this artwork of Lapras swimming with a boy on its back. According to Sugimori, Lapras was one of the first Pokemon ever created. It can be seen in some of the earliest Pokemon concept art, and in a July 2000 interview, he explained that originally Pokemon were made to serve specific functions, like Rhydon being used to carry things on land, Lapras for ferrying people across the ocean, 
and Clefairy being a cute pet. Next up is the Cloister line, number 98, Shelter. Encased within a shell that is harder than diamond, the body inside, however, is surprisingly tender. They are good with the move Clamp, which squeezes the enemy between the shell halves. Number 99, Cloister. Said to be Shelter's evolution, the shell is extremely durable. Even a direct hit from a napalm bomb can't destroy it. The shell opens only when attacking. Their spike cannon, which repeatedly stabs the foe with spikes, is devastating. This entry implies that not only were napalm bombs used in this universe, perhaps in the war hinted at in the games, but that someone actually witnessed a cloister surviving one of these napalm bombings. There's various hints scattered across the series referring to a recent war, like how Surge says electric Pokemon saved him during the war, and a journal in the Vermilion Pokemon Center saying he was a pilot back home in America. More conspiracy theory-minded fans also point out that Red's dad is MIA, and Blue seemingly has no parents at all. This entry's reference to napalm bombs adds one more piece to the puzzle, as does Coughing's entry that we'll get to later. Next up is number 100, Poliwag. The slick black skin is thin and damp. A portion of their internal organs can be seen as a spiral. They can be categorized as relatives of tadpoles. This entry tells us that Poliwag and tadpoles evolved from a common ancestor, or possibly from one another. According to Satoshi Tajiri, the iconic swirl on Poliwag's belly is modeled after the intestinal tracts of the tadpoles he fished for as a kid, which means the black swirl is actually poop traveling through its digestive system. It's Tajiri's favorite Pokemon, and the book features this photo of him saying, I want a snuggle Poliwag. And we continue the line with number 101, Poliwhirl, Poliwag's evolution. While tadpoles grow into frogs, Poliwag remained in the tadpole form and grew muscular to end up as Poliwhirl. While their legs are well developed for life on land, they appear to prefer life in water. This page provides a diagram of Poliwhirl's insides, provided to the researchers by Professor Oak, which means he's been dissecting frog Pokemon in his laboratory. If you've ever wondered how many toes Poliwhirl has, or where its mouth is, here's your answer. And finally, there's number 102, Polyrath. They are strong swimmers capable of multiple styles, including the crawl and butterfly. Even Olympic swimmers are no match for their speed. However, it appears their muscles developed specifically for swimming, as they are not fast at running. While they are thought to be Poliwhirl's evolution, they remain in tadpole form. It remains to be seen if they will evolve further into frog form. Further research is awaited. This reference to a further evolution into a frog is a tease for Politoed in Gold and Silver. Leaks in recent years have revealed several Politoed designs developers came up with during Gen 2's production. So even though they knew there'd be a new frog evolution in early 1996, they hadn't decided what it would actually look like. And they might not have decided how it would evolve either, as this entry makes it sound like Politoed evolved from Polyrath. A few months later, Tajiri sat down for an interview with Korokoro, where he hinted that Politoed would evolve directly from Poliwag. In the final game, Politoed branched off from Poliwhirl when traded with a King's Rock, a nod to an early Polyrath design that wore a crown. Now we move on to the Cedra line. Number 103, Horsey. They keep balance using their spirally coiled tail. When they sense danger, they may spit black ink. Every spring, the females each lay several thousand eggs on seaweed, but most end up as goldine bait. Rare among Pokemon, the males raise the young. Number 104, Cedra. Horsey's evolution. Their nature turns vicious from evolving. Carelessly trying to touch them can result in punctures from the spikes growing all over their body. The intense pain can cause fainting. This is followed by number 105, Magikarp. 
Virtually hopeless in terms of power and speed, if anything were to happen, they immediately use Splash and flop about. They are the world's weakest and most pathetic Pokémon. However, the most recent studies made an incredible discovery. Dragon cells were found in Magikarp's body. Anticipation runs high for deeper studies. Along with the Venonat family, Magikarp and Gyarados are the only evolutionary line in this deck numbered in reverse. These videos translating the Pokédex comprises 46 of the book's 143 pages, but in its entirety the book is technically a strategy guide. For example, one section shows watercolor maps of the entire Kanto region, complete with encounter rate percentages and a step-by-step -step walkthrough of the entire game. So it's strange that the book goes out of its way to hide facts from its readers, like Magikarp evolving into Gyarados. It might have been written this way to prevent spoilers, though that runs counter to the entire premise of a strategy guide. Or it might have just been flavor text. Maybe someday a beta leak will reveal these anomalies were a reference to the game's development, but as of the making of this video, why only these two families got this treatment is a bit of a mystery. And now on to the next habitat, Pokemon of the Skies, with an intro that says, Because flying Pokemon must spot their food from up high, their eyesight is acutely developed. Many are good, doting parents. They fly to forests, grasslands, and the seas to capture bugs and fish that they deliver to their beloved chicks awaiting their return in nests on trees. This overview leads into the Pidgeot line. Number 106. Pidgey. They do not like to fight. If surrounded, they scatter sand to blind their foes and make their getaway. They hide among trees and tall grass, when feeding on small bugs and the like. While they feast on Caterpie and Weedle, they oddly ignore Venonat. Number 107. Pidgeotto. Pidgey's evolution. They dive from an altitude of 800 meters to capture prey. The claws on their feet are powerfully developed. They have no trouble carrying and execute their prey, weighing 25 kilograms to their nest 100 kilometers away. Number 108, Pidgeot. They fly around at Mach 2 speed at 1,200 meters altitude. If they encounter a foe while on the ground, they spread their gorgeous wings for intimidation. Their search for food leads them to even the seas, where they make easy prey of meaninglessly splashing Magikarp. It goes without saying that they are the evolution of Pidgeotto. Mach 2 is about 2,470 kilometers an hour, making Pidgeot the second fastest Pokemon in Kanto, only about 1% slower than Dragonite. The example of Pidgeot preying on Magikarp can be found in new Pokemon Snap, which initially shocked some fans. Next up is the Firo line. Number 109, Spiro. Compared with Pidgey, they are much more aggressive. They mainly search for prey among tall grass where they can be seen busily flitting about. While they have little power, they learn the rare mirror move. Number 110, Spiro. Spiro's evolution. They can soar high all day long on their broad wings. Their powerful beaks let them swallow prey like Rattata whole. This is followed by number 111, Magnemite. They move around while levitating. The units on their sides radiate energy like electromagnetic waves. Although they are fundamentally different from the other Pokemon of the Skies profiled here, they have been included here for the time being because there is nowhere else to group them. Further research is awaited. According to Ken Sugimori, Magnemite was the first inorganic Pokemon ever created. He says Satoshi Tajiri gave him a work order that just said, make a magnet Pokemon. So he got to work and eventually came up with Magnemite. Next up is number 112, Magneton. Magnemite's evolution. What keeps this Pokemon levitating is unknown for now. Formed by multiple Magnemite linked together, they discharge intense magnetic rays and high voltage power. 
These are followed by number 113, Doduo, a two-headed Pokemon discovered three years ago. They are probably a mutation. They appear to dislike flying. They seem to be much better at running based on their 100 kilometers per hour speed. In the near future, it is feared their wings will devolve and rob them of their ability to fly. You can't see them, but Doduo does have wings. Pokemon Yellow's Pokedex even says its short wings make flying difficult. Apparently, the researchers who wrote this entry fear that evolution will eventually remove their wings altogether, similar to how Zubat lost its eyes. The book provides this artwork, explaining that both Doduo's heads have to work together to be able to function. Next up is number 114, Dodrio, Doduo's evolution, a rare species that is hardly ever found. Their three heads express the emotions joy, sadness, and anger. Some historians have sworn that in ancient times there was a religion that thrived deep in Central and South America which revered Dodrio as their symbol. We dug deep, but couldn't find any evidence of Central or South American gods that resemble Dodrio. But it does bear a resemblance to South America's largest bird, the Rhea Americana, which gets its name from the Greek goddess Rhea, the daughter of Earth goddess Gaia and the sky god Uranus. She's known in early tradition as the mother of gods, and it's possible the Rhea Americana was combined with the concept of the triple deity, like Christianity's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But that's all just speculation on our part, and we can't say with certainty that's what the developers were thinking when they identified Dodrio as the symbol of an American religion. This is followed by number 115, Farfetch'd. They always carry a plant stalk for crafting their nest when walking. A recent study also revealed the stalk to be also food for emergencies. Several years ago, the mass media reported on the deliciousness of cooking Farfetch'd with their stalk. This news spread nationwide, resulting in a massive decline in their population. As we explained in part one, Japan's Korokoro comics included a set of cutout playing cards in a late 1996 issue. The card set's Ten of Diamonds has an illustration of Farfetch'd escaping someone's kitchen. Humans eating Farfetch'd may sound barbaric to some fans, but the concept is actually baked into its design. In Japan, there's an expression, a duck comes bearing onions. So in other words, the soup just delivered itself. It's often used when something surprising but convenient happens, or sometimes as a way of saying, here comes a chump. The expression is often shortened to kamonegi, which means duck onion. And this Pokemon's Japanese name is also Kamonegi. The Pokedex says after the people of Kanto started eating far-fetched in mass, their population massively declined, which might explain why you can't find any in the wild. There's only one far-fetched in the game, and it's only obtainable via trade in Vermilion City. Fortunately, their population appears to be bouncing back, as the Pokedex and Crystal version says, in order to prevent their extinction, more people have made an effort to breed these Pokemon. The next habitat is that of humans the urban environment. This habitat's introduction says, it is sad to say, but the Pokemon that live in urban settings are strongly affected by effluents from factories, sewage, and other pollutants. In general, there are many filthy Pokemon, but they are guilty of nothing. Instead, we should be thankful to them. They serve as mirrors that reflect how our ways of life affect the world around us. This is appropriately followed by the muck line. Number 116, Grimer. X-rays from the moon transform toxic sludge into Grimer. They love to eat filthy things. When first discovered, their appearances were limited to empty lots behind factories and so on. However, they have become progressively bolder in the places they appear. Number 117, Muck. They usually keep 
themselves hidden by mingling with soil. Contact results in a severe poisoning. Analysis of their cells revealed the presence of substances that are inconceivable in living things. They are thought to be Grimer's evolution. This is followed by number 118, Porygon. In 1995, Silphco, which undertakes R&D into Pokemon and related products, successfully applied state-of-the-art technology to create this man-made Pokemon. While they are exceedingly rare, they somehow came to be offered as prizes by the Game Corner. Investigations by the authorities are ongoing into the matter. Their findings are eagerly awaited. Interestingly, the games never said who created Porygon, only making a vague reference to unnamed scientists. But this Pokedex explicitly states Porygon was created by Silphco, a scene you can see on the Koro Koro Jack of Hearts. Since the intro says Red and Green takes place in 1996, Porygon's creation in 1995 means it's only existed for a single year. When Pokemon Sun released in 2016, it included a Pokedex entry for Porygon that read, Roughly 20 years ago, it was artificially created, utilizing the latest technology of the time. Combining these two entries, we can see that our world and the Pokemon world are on the same timeline, at least for the most part. With Red and Green taking place in 1996, and the events in Sun and Moon taking place in 2016. Next up is number 119, Coughing. The thin-skinned, balloon-like body is filled with a powerfully toxic gas. Getting too close to this foul-smelling Pokemon makes eyes flood with tears. First discovered in a munitions factory, their habitat has been growing in recent years. Coughing's discovery in a munitions factory and Cloyster surviving a napalm bombing tells us just a little bit more about how the Pokemon war was fought. Some beta leaks in recent years also revealed a trainer type called Soldiers, who were used in Gold and Silver's development, but ended up being cut before the games were finished. This is followed by number 120, Weezing. While very rare, mutations can result in coughing twins that are joined together. The lab is developing a medicine for bleaching the toxicity out of Weezing. Next up is number 121, Voltorb, a completely enigmatic creature. They generate an unpleasant buzzing noise. While many live in power plants, etc., they appear to have spread to towns in recent years by traveling on power lines. They possess electric-type moves. They are reckless and prone to exploding without warning. Voltorb spreading from power plants to towns through power lines can be seen on Koro Koro's Queen of Spades. Although they mostly live in power plants, the in-game decks makes it clear Voltorb was first discovered at a company that manufactures Pokeballs, and vaguely hints there must be some connection. This is likely because Voltorb is based on Tsukumogami, tools from Japanese folklore that came to life and became self-aware on their 100th birthday. As we mentioned in part 1, the book says Pokeballs were invented around 19 25, so it seems Voltorb isn't actually a 100-year-old Pokeball. But the Tsukumogami inspiration appears to be hinted by the fact the in-game Pokedex lists Voltorb as Pokemon number 100. This is followed by number 122, Electrode, Voltorb's evolution. Because they explode at the slightest provocation, they are feared with the nickname Bombball. Next up is the Gengar line, number 123, Ghastly, a life form composed of a diffuse, gaseous matter. Even an Indian elephant would fall in two seconds if enveloped in their gas. Many mysteries surround this Pokemon. Some theories claim they are photochemical smog come to life, while others claim they are extra-dimensional beings. The answer remains unknown. For the time being, our study group adopted the former theory and included them among the Pokemon of towns. Raichu and Ghastly's entries in this Pokedex and the games both say they can knock out an Indian 
Indian elephant. Several entries talk about Pokemon eating real-life animals, but besides Indian elephants, no mention of knocking them out. These references might be leftovers from an elephant Pokemon scrapped in development, whose beta sprite was revealed in Satoshi Tajiri's biographical manga. It's possible Raichu and Ghastly's entries originally said they could knock out this lost elephant Pokemon, then after it got cut, the text was altered. Next up is number 124, Haunter. Ghastly's evolution. They learn moves like Dream Eater and Psychic. It is said that if you feel as though you are being watched in a dark place with no one else around, there is a Haunter lurking. This is followed by number 125, Gengar, thought to be Haunter's evolution from the moves they learn and their physical attributes. But the hypothesis is yet to be proven. They are said to emerge from darkness to kill people who become lost on mountains. There are shrines honoring Gengar on several mountains. That's right, Gengar literally murders people. The book shows some art of Gengar emerging from the darkness just seconds before robbing a man of his life. Apparently, this is what Sugimori meant when he said ghost Pokemon feed on the spirit. Interestingly, Kanto's ghosts are classified as urban Pokemon instead of the next classification, which is the enigmatic Pokemon. Its introduction says, Precognition, telekinesis, x-ray vision, and on and on. There are paranormal phenomena that sadly defy explanation using the scientific knowledge we have now. And in the world of Pokemon that we study and analyze, there are paranormal normal Pokemon that possess otherworldly powers. They remain yet unsolved enigmas. Here we share what we have learned so far. The first Pokemon on this sort is number 126, Abra. They sleep for 16 hours a day. However, even asleep, they use a variety of extrasensory powers. They are rarely encountered due to their small population. Moreover, they will teleport instantly if threatened. As a result, they often escape before they could be captured in a rare encounter. They evolve into Kadabra. Speaking of which, number 127, Kadabra. As a psychic boy awoke one morning, he found himself transformed in his bed into a Kadabra. The crowning of the Kadabra-themed short story, The Transformation, as the second Pokemon Literary Award winner is still fresh in our memory. If Pikachu is the Pokemon idol, Kadabra can be considered a favorite among those in the know. The story titled The Transformation is a parody of Franz Kafka's 1915 book The Metamorphosis, a story about a salesman who wakes up one morning, realized he's turned into an insect. The entry's short excerpt closely mirrors the book's very first sentence, which reads, As Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into an enormous insect. This is one instance of the book's Pokedex contradicting the game's decks. Instead of presenting a boy turning into Kadabra as a fictional short story, Red and Green present it as something that actually happened. It simply says, As a psychic boy awoke one morning, he found himself transformed in his bed into a Kadabra, and later Pokedex entries in Emerald, Fire Red, and Sun all told varying accounts of this tale. A boy literally transforming into a Kadabra doesn't really make sense, even in the Pokemon universe, so it seems likely the story was meant as fiction from the very beginning, and possibly shortened to fit into the in-game Pokedex's single screen. But this is just one interpretation, as there's various ways you could rationalize the contradiction. Whether or not it's meant to have actually occurred, Korokoro's Eight of Clubs provides artwork for what it would have looked like. 
Next up is number 128, Alakazam. Disdainful of physical attacks, they adeptly wield extrasensory powers to defeat their foes. While they are believed to be Kadabra's evolution, no one has proven it conclusively. In battle, Alakazam remains expressionless throughout. Next up is the Clefable line. Number 129, Clefairy. Popular as pets for their adorable appearance, they are surprisingly well-liked by not only people, but even by their fellow Pokémon. However, they are also few. They have only been captured in the caves of Mount Moon. Clefairy is best at using the move Metronome, which triggers a random move from many choices. Occasionally, they startle themselves by loosing a powerful move that doesn't suit their cute appearance. Number 130, Clefable. Neither Clefairy nor Clefable like squabbling. Perhaps that explains why their hearing is so superbly developed. They can even discern the sound of a pin dropping one kilometer away. They immediately flee if they hear danger approaching. This is followed by number 131, Ditto. They transform into other life forms by rearranging their body's cellular structure. They learn almost no moves of their own. Ditto can be considered one of the most enigmatic Pokemon ever. And next up is number 132, Mr. Mime. They use advanced moves like Confusion, Light Screen, Meditate, and Substitute. Being skilled mimes, they are masters at convincingly tricking people. It is said the walls they mime turn real. Their fingertips end in suction pads, with which they apparently climb the walls they create. Little head way has been made in their study, owing to the scarcity of specimens. Koro Koro's Seven of Clubs gives us a good look at Mr. Mime climbing one of its invisible walls. During Gen 1's English localization, Nob actually fought against naming this Pokemon Mr. Mime. He wanted to go with a gender-neutral name, like how in Japanese it's called Barriered. He told his boss at Nintendo of America that naming it Mr. Mime would come back to bite them if Game Freak added genders in the sequel. He was ultimately proven correct, and Gen 2 ended up continuing lots of female Mr. Mime. Speaking of its name, in Gen 1, Mr. Mime can only be obtained via trade, and in some localizations, this Mr. Mime is named Marcel. In Sword and Shield, there's a Galarian Mr. Mime in Winden, who's also named Marcel. Both are named after Marcel Marceau, a Jewish mime who joined the French resistance in World War II, fought the Nazis, and saved children from concentration camps. He was later declared a national treasure in Japan, not only for his heroics in the war, but also for his legendary miming abilities. Now it's time for the Wigglytuff line. Number 133, Jigglypuff. With their round and huge eyes, they draw the attention of their foes. They then sing a comfortably soothing tune that lulls their foes to sleep. Bellying their adorable appearance, they can learn a diverse array of moves. If they become displeased, they inflate themselves like a balloon. Here the book has artwork for a chorus of Jigglypuffs, which apparently induces triple the drowsiness compared to the song of one Jigglypuff. Number 34. Wigglytuff. The finely dense and supple fur is dreamily gorgeous. It is also a luxury item. While they share many moves with Jigglypuff, they additionally learn Hyper Beam. Next up is number 135, Drowsy. The descendant of the legendary creature Baku, which is said to have eaten dreams. Drowsy is famous as the first Pokemon to use a move combo, Hypnosis followed by Dream Eater. They are gluttonous herbivores. From their four stomachs, they repeatedly bring up eaten food and rechew it to feed. They are not popular among women due to their appearance. They also have a habit of muttering under their breath to themselves. The Baku is a creature from Japanese mythology who devours nightmares. The Baku are believed to have been made using leftover pieces the gods didn't use when they created all other animals, but in modern times, it's usually depicted as a tapir. Drowsy being a descendant of the Baku means that canonically, in addition to real-life animals, Pokemon also share our world with mythical creatures and can even evolve from them. The book shows us 
us another experiment by the Pokedex researchers, seeing if Drowsy is capable of hypnotizing itself. And Koro Koro's Jack of Diamonds shows us Drowsy eating a kid's dreams. This is followed by number 136, Hypno. Drowsy's evolution. They carry around a pendulum-like object. They are skilled at using psychic. In towns where Hypno appear, child disappearances mysteriously surge. Hypno's penchant for kidnapping children was later turned into a story arc in Fire Red and Leaf Green's postgame, where the player has to save a little girl named Lastel from Hypno's grasp. And the last of this group is number 137, Jinx, an extremely rare Pokemon. They become volcanically enraged if any attempt is made to remove the cloth-like shroud around their waist. That reaction informs us they have a sense of shame. While they speak in a human-like manner, their language is indecipherable. Linguistic research is ongoing. Jinx Korokoro cards gives us a glimpse of her human-like but indecipherable speech. The Pokedex's next classification are the extinct Pokemon, with the book telling us Pokemon are said to have appeared around 2 million years ago. Since then, they adapted to the world's changing environments and evolved in many ways. What did these ancient Pokemon look like? Using recently discovered fossils, their likenesses have been reconstructed. And the first up in this group is number 138, Aerodactyl, the progenitor of birds. They stood 1.8 meters tall. They flew on broad wings while emitting high-pitched cries. From the skull's structure, it is evident their brain was relatively large. Some biologists claim they communicated by crying. Judging by their stiff fangs, they were undoubtedly carnivorous. They must have caught small creatures with their large claws and preyed on them. A very recent discovery of their fossilized droppings attests to this theory. The entire concept of extinct Pokemon appears to be lifted from the 1993 film Jurassic Park, which hit theaters halfway into Red and Green's development. In the movie, scientists resurrect dinosaurs by extracting DNA from prehistoric mosquitoes preserved in amber. The key item used to resurrect Aerodactyl is called Old Amber, and its official artwork shows a mosquito trapped inside. In countless interviews, Tajiri and Sugimori have said Pokemon was partly inspired by Japanese TV shows and monster movies, and even though they didn't confirm it, it's probably safe to assume they drew inspiration from one American monster movie as well. Before moving on to the remaining extinct Pokemon, it's worth pointing out a seeming retcon. This entry says Aerodactyl is the progenitor of birds, and when Arkin was added in Gen 5, it was identified as the ancestor of all bird Pokemon. In other words, they've both said to be the origin of birds. Interestingly, in 2018, Game Informer asked if Pokemon evolve and are subject to natural selection, to which Sword and Shield's director and producer both said they did didn't know. But the concept of Darwinian evolution appears throughout the series, from this book in 1996, to Arkin's Gen 5 entry, and even Skaroopy's entry in Sword and Shield. The developers have also said the rules of the Pokemon world aren't, quote, set in stone, which suggests Game Freak probably aren't interested in maintaining a consistent canon. As we've said, this book was officially published by Creatures Inc. with input from Satoshi Tajiri himself, which is more than can be said for even some of the mainline games. So even if newer Pokemon media present contradictions, this book represents the original canon, even if the series as a whole doesn't take the concept of canon as seriously as sub-fans might want it to. Next up is the Amistar line. Number 139, Ammonite, a creature somewhere between sea snails and squids that lived in ancient seas. They swam by waving their 10 feet. They fed on plankton and small fish. Number 140, Amistar, thought to be Ammonite's evolution. 
They grew to around 1 meter height. They preyed on fish up to around 50 centimeters. They hunted by grabbing and clinging to their prey with their dexterously developed tentacles and biting at the same time. This is followed by number 141, Kabuto, said to be the ancestor of both hermit crabs and of turtles. They kept themselves sheltered in their tough shell. They appear to have disliked fighting. They are thought to have been good swimmers, although not especially fast. Just recently, a Kabuto fossil was found in a mountain cave 1,000 meters above sea level. Its discovery revealed that the area had once been submerged under the sea. This Pokedex identifies several Pokemon who evolved from animals over the past 2 million years, but this entry identifying Kabuto as the ancestor of hermit crabs and turtles means it's a two-way street. And canonically, some real-life animals actually evolved from Pokemon. Next up is number 142, Kabutops, thought to be Kabuto's evolution. They swam expertly underwater where they hunted. They captured prey with their sharp scythe arms and drained the prey of their bodily fluids. Evolution apparently flipped their nature from timid to aggressive. The relationship between Kabuto and Kabutops can be likened to that of Mogwai and Gremlins. The one and only Kabutops fossil was discovered six years ago in a soil horizon approximately two million years old. They are therefore considered the oldest of all Pokemon. Tajiri confirmed in an interview the movie Red's mom is watching on TV is the 1986 film Stand By Me, so it shouldn't come as a surprise that the 1984 comedy horror Gremlins exists in the Pokemon universe as well. Mogwai are a special classification of demons in Chinese mythology, but in the movie, they're nice furry creatures who transform into evil gremlins that torture and kill humans. So Kabuto's a nice little guy, while Kabutops is the complete opposite. The book provides this illustration of Kabutops using its sights to impale a large prehistoric sea creature and suck out its fluids, presumably about 2 million years ago. And now onto the Pokedex's last classification, the legendary Pokemon. It says, Many Pokemon appear in the worlds of myths and legends. The most famous must be the Phoenix. Previously, there had been few believing in the existence of such legendary Pokemon. Since the discovery of Dratini, however, the non-believers are dwindling. Now, an endless stream of researchers embarks on expeditions convinced that the legends live. First up are the legendary birds. Number 143, Articuno. They fly among wintry mountains with their long, flowing tails streaming in their wake. Folklore has it that those seeing an Articuno in flight become so enraptured by its beauty, they die rooted to the spot. Number 144, Zapdos, said to fly with what sounds like buzzing and snapping of sparking electricity. As the divine bird presiding over the heavens, Zapdos spend thousands of years above the clouds. Perhaps lightning is their way of showing anger. Zapdos is probably based on Native American mythology's Thunderbird, who controls the upper world and creates thunder and lightning that it casts down to the underworld. It's usually depicted as an X-shape, and the same can be said for Zapdos's Gen 1 sprites and official artwork. Next is number 145, Moltres. The phoenix, the famous legend of a bird whose fresh blood confers immortality when drunk, is said to be modeled after Moltres. If this Pokemon were to exist, their fiery wings will surely bedazzle all those that witness them. The idea of drinking phoenix blood to gain everlasting life isn't derived from real-life legends, but rather from Osamu Tezuka's unfinished manga series 
series called Phoenix. Tezuka is often called the godfather of manga and is considered the Japanese equivalent of Walt Disney. Tezuka began working on the first volume of the Phoenix manga in the 1950s, and over the next three decades, he completed 12 volumes, each telling separate and self-contained stories of different characters hunting the Phoenix so they can live forever by drinking its blood. But in the end, immortality is usually unobtainable, and living forever reveals itself to be a terrible curse. Each volume takes place in the ancient past or distant future, and as the series progresses, it seems to be converging on the present day. Tezuka considered Phoenix his life's work, but he died in 1989 before he could finish the series. His last words were, I'm begging you, let me work, which he said to a nurse trying to take away his drawing tools. This Pokedex says the legend of the Phoenix is based on Moltres, but clearly it's Moltres who's based on the Phoenix, an homage to Osamu Tezuka's unfinished life work, or at the very least, its lore is an homage. According to Game Freak, in many cases they come up with a design first, then decide the lore later, so it's possible they created three elemental birds and the designs ultimately inspired the lore, rather than the lore inspiring the designs. Next up is number 146, Arcanine, a legendary Pokemon that appears in Chinese folklore. Sanctified paper chits imprinted with an Arcanine illustration are considered beneficial for keeping evil at bay. The book includes this diagram of Kanto's fastest runners, identifying Arcanine as the fastest of all. Later in-game entries says Arcanine can run 10,000 kilometers in a single day and night. Assuming that means 24 hours, that's about 417 kilometers an hour. Koro Koro's Five of Diamonds also gives us a look at the Chinese paper chits mentioned in this entry that ward off evil. Arcanine draws inspiration from Chinese Shershur, as well as the Japanese equivalents Shisa and Komainu. Over the past thousand years, Shershur have taken many forms and go by countless names all across Asia, but in simple terms, they're guardian lions or lion dogs that originated in Chinese Buddhism. They're believed to ward off evil and often placed at the entrances of important buildings like temples. While Mew is Kanto's only mythical Pokemon, most fans consider the three birds and Mewtwo as the region's legendaries. But what exactly is a legendary Pokemon? There's no proper definition, with fansite Bulbapedia explaining that no explicit criteria defines what makes a Pokemon a legendary Pokemon. Instead, the only way to identify a Pokemon as belonging to this group is through statements from official media, such as the games or anime. This book is as official as it gets, and it classifies Arcanine as a legendary. Every in-game Pokedex calls Arcanine a legendary Pokemon as well, and in the second episode of the anime, Ash sees an engraving of Arcanine together with the three legendary birds. The word legendary is only used in red, green, and blue versions six times, and only one of them suggests Arcanine isn't a legendary Pokemon. After defeating him in battle, a bird keeper on Route 14 says, the three legendary Pokemon are all birds of prey. As a bird keeper, he's clearly got bird bias, and he's apparently ignorant to Mewtwo's existence as well. This book, as well as another book published a year later, also refer to the Dragonite family as legendary Pokemon, and describe Dratini as the first legendary ever discovered. The dragons are usually considered pseudo-legendaries, but that term was entirely made up by fans. If we set aside fan theories and only take official media into account, an argument can certainly be made that Kanto actually has eight legendary Pokemon. Three birds, three dragons, Arcanine, and Mewtwo. Or at least, that was the developer's original intention back in the mid-90s, which appears to have changed in the decades since. For example, in later generations, the GTS filter lets you exclude players looking for legendaries, and neither Arcanine or the dragons are on that list. Next up is number 147, Dratini. Legendary Pokemon live! A Safari Zone visitor just happened to catch a Dratini in 
the park's pond. The lucky angler became an overnight sensation with the news of the discovery exploding globally. This fortuitous accident convinced many that all legendary Pokemon exist without any doubt. It ignited a massive wave of Pokemon expeditions. Even when young, Dratini reach a length of nearly 2 meters. They grow by repeatedly shedding. This story about the first recorded Dratini sighting was lightly expanded upon in another Japanese book published the following year. It came with this illustration, and the caption read, In a recent study, it has been observed how some Pokemon appear in myths and legends. Once, this Pokemon was thought to be a mythical Pokemon only found in legends, but when the story of a Dratini caught while fishing in the Safari Zone spread, the number of researchers who believed in its existence increased. There are many rumors of unidentified creatures all over the world. Maybe they're Pokemon. This is followed by number 148, Dragonair. They live in the seas and lakes. They can freely summon rain and snow. Though they have no wings, they are said to fly high in the sky. Dragonair's Japanese name is Hakuryu, which in English means white dragon. The name likely originates from its beta design, later revealed on Game Freak's official Japanese website in 1997. Earlier in development, it was literally a white dragon, and we commissioned this fan art to try and recreate what that original Dragonair might have looked like if it ever received proper artwork. And now for number 149, Dragonite. In spite of their bulky physique, they can orbit the Earth in around 16 hours. They are said to represent the god of destruction. Flying around the world in 16 hours means that Dragonite has a top speed of around 2,505 kilometers an hour. The book provides this diagram of the world's fastest flyers, showing Dragonites the fastest of them all, and just a little bit faster than a fighter jet. And finally, we've reached number 150, Mewtwo. There is an urban legend of a mad scientist whose tenacious recombination of Pokemon DNA resulted in a horrifically brutal creature. Could such a frightening Pokemon really exist? As for Pokemon number 151, Mew's nowhere to be found in this Pokedex. Although Bill does mention it in his journal, it's just a vague mention that a mysterious Mysterious 151st Pokemon's been discovered. Mew's development and lore can be found scattered across various books, interviews, and radio broadcasts. So if you think we should dedicate a full video to the origins of Mew, let us know in the comments. Huge thanks to Nob for coming on today, and also to Hi-Rez Pokemon for artwork scans. Check them out sometime. Did you also know that Retro Studios made a Zelda game for the Nintendo Wii? Or that Ocarina of Time's official manga explains a lot of missing details from the game? For a whole bunch of Zelda facts, check out the video on screen. Click it now, click it good, click that bit just like you should. My links, my stats, click my links for my stats, my links, my... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.